is Hammerjack, and you're listening to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. And don't forget, you can't turn your back on Hammerjack. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Gentlemen, welcome to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. I'm Dean Hill. See you at ringside. All right, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. This is the podcast where uh, these three knuckleheads, me and and knucklehead uh, number two. Me. Yeah, Professor Knucklehead. And uh, (laughs) you know what? Here, Kate, here's the funny thing. We call you the professor. But Jared's the only one that actually went to like finishing school or college <laughs> of some sort and got any kind of, yeah, yeah. He, yeah he's got a PhD. What, what the hell, what did you end up, what do you have to get to be a pharmacist, Jared? I have a doctorate in pharmacy. You have a doctorate? You're Dr. Jared Street? Yeah, I can make you call me Dr. Jared Street. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, hell, Dr. okay. Street. I don't abuse that though. So I don't, I don't like, yeah. I don't, I don't like people to make, call me doctor like, I feel like, um, like a lot of people in the education field, if they're a doctor, abuse that. I don't know. How many, how many years of school did you go to get your doctorate in drugs? A drug doctorate. You can go in as little as like six or five. If you're like really at it, I went seven. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Well, that's doctor. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So on this episode, we have a very special guest with us. We have Hammerjack. And we're going to be talking to him in just a little bit. But before we do that, Hammerjack. We wanted to, hey, what? Who? Oh. Sorry. Hammerjack. So, whoa. <laughs> so, before we do that, though, we are going to talk a little bit about some of the past episodes that we have had recently. And uh, I, I will toot my own horn and say we had some some pretty good success with these last couple episodes. Toot, toot, uh, baby. Yeah. We've Dece- been in the, decent success. It's been decent. We, we've been in yeah. the. Uh, the last episode was in the top 100 on Apple, uh, iTunes for, uh, all wrestling podcasts. Yeah. Pretty awesome. I like it. Nice. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I guess our watch alongs pretty cool. I guess people seem to like them. I, maybe, uh, I don't know, but anyway, we did the tag team extravaganza watch. What is that? Dr. Jared sheet. I see orange. I see orange. Oh. In that video it looked like you had a sample. I wasn't He's sure what that was. Killing me. All right. So, <laughs> all right. So, Jer- Jared's drinking high C orange, and and me and the professor are drinking malt beverages of some sort here. So, let's talk a little bit about the tag team extravaganza episode that we just had. It was a watch along. I had a lot of fun with it. We talked yeah. about how uh, pretty much everyone in that episode, uh, all the workers were probably, if not, should be. Um, Hall of Famers, top-notch workers, uh, with the exception of maybe a couple. Um, But everyone seemed to pretty much like that episode. We want to hear from you, though. We want want you guys to give us feedback either 
email or tweet back at us or, or Facebook group, let us know some of your favorite tag matches, some of your favorite tag teams and, uh, call us morons for not mentioning, you know, that particular match if you want to. And, uh, let, let's get that interaction going with that. Jimmy, do you have anything to add for the tag team extravaganza episode? I mean, yeah, we had great numbers on that for sure. Happy, you know, we did a watch along for body slam and that's actually our number two episode of all time, which was, no, I'm sorry, number three now because, you know, Tracy's greatest music and then, then Mike Jablonski lost the title, but you know, we'll get into other titles that Mike Jablonski won. So what? what? Yeah, but but before we get there, we had Steve Rosenthal on, which, by the way, the other day, Powertown Wrestling just they tweeted and put that on Instagram, and they actually worked our podcast symbol into the uh, you know yeah, advertisement. Yeah, thank so you that, for that, guys. Yeah, that was totally. Awesome. Kayla and the crew at Powertown Wrestling, thank you all so much. She's been a wonderful person to work with, very understanding and very working with us because we worked really hard to get Steve on. And then, you know, we couldn't get Dan on the show with us, but when we finally could get Steve, we had to go with it. So that's maybe why it didn't all work out. But long story short, we were happy to do that. Then we had the tag team extravaganza watch along with, I mean, 13, 15, however many people were in those rings, just some of the best tag team wrestling you'll ever see. Again, you know, if you want us to watch other matches, like Dan said, send it in. Let us know. We've got a million different Facebook, Twitter, Instagrams, at GMBMPW, or, you know, like some other podcasts we know, GMBMPW at gmail.com. You can always send us email if you want. But anyway, with that being said, you know, we had a great week. Like Dan said, you know, we were in the 90s, which... I think is the highest we've ever been. On I think the, so. Yeah. Man, not, that we, not that we pay attention to that stuff. We oh, actually we, do. <laughs> we definitely do. Just being <laughs> honest. But that's, that's how we learn and grow, you know? So, so yeah, Mike Jablonski lost the title for give me back my pro wrestling's podcast. Obviously he'll come back on and, and probably win the title again, but Mike won tag titles the other night. What a cool thing to see our boy win some tag straps, you know? Awesome, yeah. yeah. Congratulations, Mike and the entire bad omens team on winning those tag titles. We will have you back on the show eventually. Um, and you can talk about that a little bit and talk about, uh, some of the, the, the rehab journey and stuff that you had to go on there because you had a bad wheel for a while and, and, uh, you know, we're just touch base with you. Also just, uh, for those of you that were on our Facebook last Wednesday, uh, you could see that I got to see (laughs) some live pro wrestling at wrestling wrestling uh well some of it was wrestling for sure uh it's wrestling above the mason dixon well where you are it's wrestling either way yeah but there was some wrestling too uh (laughs) so uh i got to go to aew dynamite last wednesday here in columbus ohio uh they taped the dark dark elevation type matches beforehand uh some of those they put on last thursday some hit this monday and then of course dynamite but um, I'll tell you what, if for those of you who, I mean, obviously everyone knows I'm kind of an AEW mark, but for those of you that huh? have, yeah, you don't, uh, say yeah, yeah, well, yeah. yeah, I don't buy that. For well, a first of all, you guys will be happy to know that I didn't get to see Dan Housen or punk oh, at the show. Were, were you like, were you like super hoping that punk would make some kind of appearance? Just a small one. 
Uh, no, I, I really didn't expect, I, I was blown away to see him this week. I didn't think his foot had healed enough to even do, you know, the work he did. Um, so I wasn't expecting him at all. Now, Dan House I knew was he did a meet and greet with Ethan page earlier in the day that Wednesday. So I did expect to see him, but, um, but yeah, didn't, but uh, you know what? It doesn't matter because AEW really gives you a lot of bang for your buck. I think because the doors opened at six at about six forty five or so, uh, Justin Roberts came out, started talking to everyone and they did dark matches all the way up until about five till eight. 10 or five wow. to eight. Wow. And then went live with dynamite. And then after dynamite, they, uh, we had about, Ooh, 15 minutes of mocks and, and, you know, and, and that kind of stuff going on in the ring, just goofing around with Claudio and stuff like that. So, you know, they probably put on eight matches in that, that hour wow. of dark, uh, dark taping. So, you know, I really think you got a lot of a, a lot of value for the Sounds money. like it. Sounds I like thought, it. I thought they did a hell of a job. So if you guys get a chance to see AEW in the town, coming to a town near you, then yeah. uh, check them out. We would uh, love to be, you know, uh, in Charlotte or in Lebanon, Virginia. <laughs> or in, <laughs> I'll, take Knox, anyway. I'll take Knoxville or Roanoke. So, I mean, no, Knoxville or Roanoke. There yeah. you go. Well, cool. I, li- I really like the idea of live pro wrestling. So... For those of you out there listening, if you get to see any pro wrestling live, I don't care if it's, I don't care what group it is, what fed it is, what, uh, you know, organization, where it's at, let us know, get on the Facebook, give us a heads up. Just give us a little bit of a kind of a match report, what you saw. Uh, if you want to take some video and send it to us or something like that, just do it because that's one of the things about this, this show I, I want to promote is watching wrestling on TV is great. It's awesome. You don't stand in line to pee. It's not four bucks for a really crappy pizza, but seeing them live, that's, I mean, it just, it's a different, it's a Uh, different form of entertainment seeing it live. It really is. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. You know, one of the guys that I've seen quite a bit wrestle live in front of me is my good old buddy, Hammerjack. And, you know, obviously you read the name of the show is Hammerjack. So, you know, this guy's been down the roads, man. You know, from what I can count, he's been in the business. He's knocking on 30 years Mm. in the business. So, man, we're going to talk about so much with Hammerjack. You know, I think this is going to be a really fun episode. If you guys enjoyed the Chris Michaels episode, you know, or the Plunky episode, I think you'll enjoy the Hammerjack episode with us. So, All right. Well, let's take a quick break while... Uh, Dr. Professor Sheik gets to, do, no, see, you're a professor, you're a doctor, and I'm just a dipshit. Okay, so, <laughs> well, <laughs> I think, well, I would use the acronym DDP, but I think someone already did that. Let's take a break. You can go refill your, your high C orange. You and yes. I can crack another coal one. When we come back, we're going to talk to Hammerjack. This is Charlie with Give Me Back My Action Movies. And Dan. Join us every two weeks as we dive into the classic action movies of the 80s and 90s. That's right, Charlie. But we also take a look at some of the current films out there that still has those nostalgic feel for us. Exactly. So make sure you find us on all your major podcasting platforms. And check us out over on Facebook. We have a group where the conversation's always going 24-7. We're having a good time. I think so. I'll be back. 
Hey guys, this is Wolfie D from PG-13. Check out my podcast, Live and in Color with Wolfie D, every Monday at noon. We're talking Memphis, we're talking ECW, WCW, WWF, everywhere that I've been. We even have some great guests, some Hall of Famers on the show with us. Every Monday, Live and in Color with Wolfie D. All right, everybody, welcome back to this episode of Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. And we have a special guest. I told you we were going to have a special guest, and I wasn't full of crap this time. Jimmy, please, uh, would you, yeah, this time, exactly. You be quiet, <laughs> peanut gallery. All right, so, Jimmy, go ahead. Uh, yeah, every other time I screw something. Anyway, let's have Jimmy introduce one of his real good pro wrestling friends, Hammerjack. Jimmy? I mean, yeah, you just said it, brother. Hammerjack, man. You know, this guy right here is kind of like if you mixed, he is he is a legend and a good a good brother and a veteran and he's also real. So he he doesn't, you know, some of the guys are legends and veterans and good brothers or they're not good brothers but they're legends and veterans, but this dude is all of them. And it's kind of hard to get that combination in a person. Now, you know, hammer, I think the first time, and we're going to backtrack into your story, but I think the first time I ever met you was at a saw show. And I had just been working for Mike Porter for literally nothing (laughs) for my gas. (laughs) I was paying my gas to get to that show. And and I, TJ would go there and I think either TJ would do it to scope, maybe possible talent or Kevin was on the show or something to that effect. And then he said, Hey, if you ever want to come out to Millersville, you're hey, Kevin, you talking about Kevin, his son, Kevin Weatherby. Oh, okay. Right, right. Go ahead. Yeah, TJ, TJ was there. I think he was probably watching Kevin perform most of the time at, at Porter's, but he said, Hey, if you ever want to come out to Millersville, and we'll get you booked on it. Saw, and I'm like, I, 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 yeah, of course I want to come out there. Are you kidding me? Is and that twice like that? No, I, 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 yeah. I, oh. Well, no, I was trying to imitate the like, you know, the uh, the road runner kind of running. <laughs> yeah. So, long story short, I, that's how I met you. I don't, I don't know. You was I doing the sheet gimmick when you met me, or yeah, uh, yeah, okay. Well, yeah. No, 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 no. It was right before you started that, I believe. Okay, okay, because because I, you know, I. Kroll made me drop it because we were going on TV and I wasn't dark enough to really portray a perfect chic for TV, but I, I was cool with that either way. But it was funny because I was working that gimmick and then I went to me and that that's when I met you. Then I picked the gimmick back up and then I dropped it again about a month later, but it's all good. Long story short. So that's how we met. But, but to start things off, Hammerjack, you now I've dug the interwebs as much as I can possibly dig. (laughs) So, okay. You were born in Baltimore. Yes. And how was your childhood, man? Talk about your young days. Like as a kid, not, not teenager. I'm talking about as a little kid. Oh, what do you mean? As a little kid, I was hard. It was different time, man. You know, you could, uh, your, your parents would kick you out of the house and say, don't come in until the sun goes down or the streetlights come on or something like that. So, so, that's exactly what I did, man. At a very, very young age, I was running all over Baltimore on a, on a Liberty bike, you know, and uh, <laughs> my parents would get phone calls saying, your son is all the way over here on the hotel. You know, what's he doing? He's going to get hurt or something's going to happen to him. And then I'd go home and, 
get my ass whooped and the next day get kicked out of the house again and then uh, you know the same thing over and over and over but there was a different time man you yeah. know i mean you can't do that with your kids now no I mean, no. no you no, I mean, can I not. but it's not socially acceptable i mean i don't <laughs> yeah now you're in trouble for that nonsense yeah. yeah. So, okay. uh, yeah, I was born in 76, so I'm only three years away from you. You're right. That's exactly how the parenting was. Quit coming in and out, close the door, go out, play. I'll yell for you when the lights come on. Right. Yeah. That's, so that's a perfect childhood. You know, I was a little bit, uh, a little bit different than the rest of the kids in my neighborhood. Just put that. Politely. Okay. I, I see what you're saying. I would, yeah. I would get beaten up just taking the trash out. You know what I mean? Because I was different than the sure. other kids. <laughs> sure. Yeah. 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 I've been so, to Baltimore. Like yeah. yeah. So, yeah. you know, I remember, you know, and I was the only kid in the neighborhood that was wearing, like, I had these snow boots. I remember these snow boots that looked like uh, Gene Simmons kiss boots, man. And oh I would wear them. God, and the other amazing. kids didn't understand that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, right. I, was, I was growing up a little bit different. Then when we moved to... Uh, uh, Hendersonville, Tennessee, which I bought a house here now. Um, that's awesome. That's awesome. That was in sixth grade, I guess, sixth, seventh grade. Kind of went back and forth after that. So, so okay. that's, that's home to you? What's home? Hendersonville? Hendersonville, yeah. Is that Nashville, home to you? Yeah. 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 Uh, that, that, uh, that's just to jump up a little bit, probably high school age, 14, 15. I got kicked out of the county, had to move to Nashville. Okay. So, I grew up kind of rough, man. I was, it wasn't my parents' fault. I had the best parents in the world that would, that would give me anything, all the things I needed, you know, no problems there. It was like yeah. something in my head. I did not have something I needed. I needed to find something. There was, there was always something that I was after and uh, nobody yeah. could hold me back from getting it. You know what I mean? Right. Like I, I remember once when I was a kid, I was probably 14 years old. My mom said, we're going to cut your hair. I had really long hair. She was like, we're going to cut your hair, you know, uh, go in the bathroom, take a shower, wet your hair. We're going to cut it right now. We're going to change everything about you. You're going to start getting out of trouble, whatever. Went to the bathroom. Turned the <laughs> I jumped out the bathroom window, dog. I didn't come back. <laughs> I, I stayed gone. You know what I mean? Thanks yeah. to that friend down the street. His name was William Taylor. And, uh, she knew where I was at. I mean, I was probably four miles down the street. I'd walk over there and just stay there for a month. I wouldn't call anybody or, you know. Yeah. Finally, yeah. go back home and, you know, take an ass whoop, and then she'd kick me out of the house the next day. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> See, you're a knucklehead like the rest of us, it sounds like. <laughs> so, okay, let me ask you this. Now, how, explain, you know, because I know Nashville now. But growing up, man, it's so much different than it was. And I know you were Hendersonville, Nashville, but but at the same time, you know, talk about the different. I mean, you know, how was Nashville back then, back in the day? I mean, how was it? It was a country, man. It was it was nothing like it is today. You got half California and half of New York moving down here. You know what I mean? Everybody's buying a house, trying to move away, yeah. trying to run away from their problems or whatever's going on right now. Who knows? Right. But, um, back then, it was a lot different. Um, if you had long hair, you, you were driving the car, you'd get pulled over. I remember that. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, uh, mm. the, and there was, everything was, was defined on what type of music you listened to. Yeah. <laughs> Every, yeah. Everything. Yeah. I mean, you know, you had your freaks and jocks. Was, that's what we call it around here. They would always meet at softball fields and fight all the time. And, <laughs> you know, we really didn't have gangs in Nashville, but it was kind of separated between if you, if you were a jock or if you listened to, 
heavy metal. You know what I mean? Right. It was kind of kind of weird times, man. Yeah, kind of like the movie yeah. The Outsiders. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's you know, without the Dapper Dan. Without the Dapper Dan. Dapper Dan, man. That's kind of how it was everywhere, though. I mean, everyone clicky. I mean, even today. But you're right. Like everyone would fill in little clicks, and if if you if you fit in, great. If you didn't, then you had to to you know throw hands sometimes, and it just it was. You're right. The 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 80s and the stuff like that was a weird time growing up. I think. I mean, completely different to now. So yeah, nothing, yeah, no, not yeah. as many guns, you know, I yeah. mean, I remember some baseball bats, I remember, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. tire tools and stuff like that. But that, I mean, even the rednecks around here, when I was a kid that everybody had a shotgun in the window of their truck when they went to right. school. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean, and then you would take it out, show your, your, your shop teacher. Oh, let me see that. There's <laughs> a brand new shotgun. You know what I mean? And nowadays yeah. you, you definitely aren't going to do anything quite like that, man. But, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, you know, when did you, let's say you're right around the same time you're thinking of right now, you said you go to your friend's house, stay gone. Where did you start liking wrestling? Well, when I moved to Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, because right. I, I, I spoke differently, you know what I mean? I wasn't saying y'all and all that, you know what I'm saying? So right. uh, they, they knew I was, I was coming from a different place, man. So okay. uh, when I first moved here, it was on the weekends. You know, I had nothing to do, no friends or anything. So Saturday morning, man, you know, Memphis yeah. Wrestling was coming on. So Oh, baby. Yeah. I, I, I was glued to it. Yeah. Who was your favorite? Who was, your fa- Who was my favorite? Yeah. Oh, Bill Dundee, man. Really? That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Because be- actually, I went to uh, years later when my daughter was first born. Um, I took her, I think she was three years old. I took her to meet Jerry Lawler in a Walmart. He was doing the autograph signing. <laughs> and I told him, I walked up to him and told him, I said, Man, you're, I used to watch you on TV all the time. We was, oh, really? Really? He's getting excited, getting his pen ready, thinking I'm going to buy an 8 by 10 or whatever. And I said, Yeah, yeah, man. I used to love watching Bill Dundee whoop your ass. You know, <laughs> he got so pissed, he was just moving me to the side. And there was nobody there. Nobody cared. Nobody cared about this guy standing in Walmart. Everybody's walking by. He's standing there in a pair of tights holding his, his crown. You know what I mean? And yeah. he's moving me to the side like there's a big line of people that are trying to come up and I kept looking at like that nobody cares bro. <laughs> <laughs> nobody cares about you man <laughs> that's hilarious so you know okay so you're a Bill Dundee man so that kind of leads me into this now in high school you actually went to high school with a, a certain Dundee correct uh, yeah I went to school with Jamie man yeah yeah, yeah. so for, for about two or three years yeah <laughs> Yeah, he was a wild kid back then. I remember him going to, to uh, come to school with his dad's boots on, the ones that had the star on the side. Right, of the yeah. Two half cowboy oh, wow. boots. They were like three, four sizes too big, and he'd be clumping down the hallway wearing these things, man. It's falling out of them. <laughs> <laughs> he probably was the coolest thing in the world wearing them things at school, man. It's crazy. I, I remember you. once I was outside. I, back then, in the South, they would paddle you. Did you Did you guys oh, get yeah. paddled? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we oh, did. Yeah. Because yes, I'm, I did. I'm standing in the hallway, and I'm getting ready to get paddled. And they, I think they did that on purpose. That was kind of the uh, the psychological part of it. We're going to make him stand out here for 20 minutes. That one, he's going to get his ass whooped. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I'm standing there waiting, waiting, waiting. And here it goes. I see some cops walk in to the, to the office, and then some more cops walk in, and a dog. 
And yeah. I'm like, what the hell's going on? And all of a sudden, here comes Jamie running down the hall going, cops, cops, cops. <laughs> and this is during class. You know, there's nobody else in the hallway. Cops, 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 can't cops. And I'm like, what? What's going on? And he's got a mouthful of weed. All he's doing is just eating pot, man. I mean, he's got face on his shirt. He's just killing that stuff. I, I didn't see him for a while after that. I don't know if he got called or, you know, yeah. just decided not to come to school for two, three weeks like he did. But That's hilarious. Yeah. Skip school, go to the big oak tree. You know what I mean? It was crazy, man. Crazy days, dude. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, okay, so around that time, are you playing any kind of sports at all, man? Absolutely not. Yeah. So you're the you're the like the opposite of that guy, right? You oh, punch yeah. a yeah, punch a jock. Rather. Yeah, you know, long hair, ripped jeans, Iron Maiden t-shirt. You know what I mean? I mean that was since since I was ten. That's that's the way I grew up, man. Yeah, I mean, and you you are real, and I'll say that a million times to people. When I know you and you meet you, you're pretty much you're real with people, you know, and that's that's why I think a lot of people like you. But the reason I asked you is because, I mean, you knocking on thirty years of being an athlete, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. So so you had athletics in you, you just weren't portraying them into team sports, right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 We're okay. playing street ball elbow with each other in the throat that's about as close as i got to, to actual sports you know what I mean? yeah 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 now are you are you an orioles man are you a, a titans guy no or no, no. I, I always watch real sports like wrestling and roller derby yeah there you there go, you go. Roller I, love derby. Yeah. I love it i love it i love it yeah, that's amazing now okay all right, so we're going to get a little heavy here and because I know we're leading into your your start of your your career as a wrestler but you know you kind of got off on a different path. Now, I've talked about my path and my problems with stuff. You knew me during that time. One of the things you said to me at that time was, "Dude, you just got to outgrow that shit." Like you just can't you you can't do that grow up you can't be a man and do that you got to outgrow that shit and even though i was continuing to screw up that stuck with me all through the time that i mean it, it didn't necessarily kick in but it was always with me so even though you didn't like make a miraculous turn for me you stuck with me and that thought was always there of like man i need to grow up this is time to grow up i can't keep doing that stuff you however you know, because I was a mark for the business, you know, I became a mark for the business and that's what everybody did in the business is what I heard. You, however, started out and then it saved you in a way. Tell us about that, man. Yeah, like, like I said, when I was young, I was thinking I was older than what I was or searching for something. You know what I mean? I don't know what that was, but never found it. Right. Um, so that's about 13, 13, 12, 13 years old. I kind of got twisted up with drugs and drinking and stuff you know ended yeah. up popping pills smoking weed drinking snorting yeah. dope led yeah. to smoking crack led to this led to that you know what i mean i mean at a really 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 young age man yeah and um i ended up uh, moving to nashville when i got kicked out of sumner county for for threatening this the principal of the same school i went to jamie with to, you know went to school with jamie with uh i threatened him and then that got me kicked out of all Sumner County schools, man. Wow. So 
once I got kicked out of all Sumner County schools, my parents moved me to Nashville and said, we're going to move him away. What they did was they moved me back into the city again. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And then here we, here we go. Big city tricks, man. It's it's closer for me to walk from one side of town to the other, you know, and I got mixed up with a bunch of bunch of bad dudes, man. And then, yeah. you know, I'm sitting there. I'm the young kid that that they would use as a guinea pig or, or the, the scapegoat or whatever. Here, take this box over here, deliver this here, then we'll give you this. And I was really, man, <laughs> just because I had pockets full of drugs and a little cash, I thought I was on top of the world. Right. Well, one, you know, it just led from different charges and being arrested over and over and over and over again. I ended up going through 14 rehabs, man, before I was wow. 19 years old, wow. got locked up. The last two years, I was locked up, incarcerated. My last, uh, I'll just say the last charges that I did get were pretty damn serious, man. I mean, I, you know, put it this way, I never, never harmed anybody. Never harmed anybody, basically. You know, I had some assault charges and stuff like that, but I was just a bad kid, man. Really. Yeah. And so I, I went down the road, man. I mean, I, I went AWOL from every one of those every one of those rehabs, you know, since they decided they wanted to get me to talk or, you know, seemed like they always wanted let's get into your feelings and make you cry in front of everybody or something. You know? <laughs> I thought, man, this ain't for me. You know, and I would I would leave. I just yeah. they they say the doors are unlocked. You can leave if you want to, we're gonna call the cops. It's like call the cops. They know me real well. I don't care. Right. <laughs> I'm out. You know, so you know, all that led through a, a rough coming up real rough, man. Yeah, yeah. So that that just I went through it early, a lot yeah. earlier than most people. So once I got out from that last incarceration, I was 19 years old, and I met my wife two months after. Two months after that, she was pregnant. So we had a kid. <laughs> Living in West Nashville. I mean, I'm moving fast. This life's moving fast now. You know. Yeah. Got, right. Got a got an apartment. You know, and. and uh, uh, the guy downstairs, and I was I was fine. Maybe I smoked a little weed here and there, or whatever. But the guy downstairs started selling dope, man. And I was like, yeah. dude, this ain't this ain't cool. Right, right. So he would have to come upstairs, break his stuff up, and he'd say, since you're let me use your apartment, I'll give you all this free stuff, man. Free, you know yeah. what I'm saying? This right, free. right. Dude, that led my addiction through. I went through turmoil, dude. It was ridiculous. Yeah. All back over again, you know, and uh. In the middle of the night, my wife was ready to leave me, basically. And and uh, I said, let's just leave. Let's leave. We won't tell anybody where we're going. Just leave. We left in the middle of the night and got rented a little place in Madison. And uh, that's when I found Madison Square Shopping Center over there. Where yeah. The, yeah. Oh, in the back, there was wrestling. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to go check this out. Well, one of the guys that I was running with in Nashville had the twin twin brothers I didn't know they were into wrestling, and I saw them there. Yeah. That's Lex and Lee Victory. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask you if Victor that was them. Twins. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I walked up to him and said, look, I want to wrestle, man. I've always wanted to. Say, oh, you're full of shit. You ain't going to do nothing. Hot Rod, <laughs> Biggs, Hot Rod Biggs, he used to uh, he used to run the same neighborhoods with me, too. And uh, he found out that I was going to try to wrestle. And he said, you'll never make it. Never. You'll never make it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, don't tell me I'll never do anything. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I was dumb enough to hit my head on that rock. I just started doing it, man. You know, I met Gypsy Joe through the twins, and yeah, it was, it was on from there. 
So, yeah, that's exactly where I was leading you. About how old were you around that time? 24. Right at 24, yeah, okay. So you're looking around 24, and you, I mean, let's just say it. You get in touch with, I mean, if there are tough guys in the business, I mean, you met one of them. <laughs> you know, you Gypsy Joe, oh. that guy could not only give you punishment, but he could absorb massive amounts of it. So talk about that. Talk about Gypsy Joe. Uh, I, I don't really remember the first conversation that we had. I remember the first time we met, you know, at, at to uh, to begin training or whatever. He didn't have a place to to uh, to train me, basically. He said, meet me at Walmart in West Nashville. <laughs> so I met him at Walmart. He said, all right, kid, I want you to jump as high as you can to fall on your back. And I said, what? <laughs> he said, jump as high as you can, and I want you to fall on your back. And I said, right here? You know, this is asphalt in the middle of the parking lot, man, like 10 o'clock in the morning. So I had to jump as high as I can and fall on my back like three, four times. He goes, okay, kid, I guess I'll train you. <laughs> that's, that's an old style of breaking back, in. flat back on pavement. Yeah, so the, the TJ Weatherby, the, uh, the guy who had the, uh, the wrestling show going on in the back of the strip mall, which wasn't far from my house at all. Uh, yeah. He started the class there. With Tony Falk, they shared shared the ring together. Yeah, so I trained with both of them basically. So and, would uh, you say uh, would you say your training is a little bit different than what they do at the PC now? Uh, <laughs> hell yeah! <man. laughs> that was that was tough guy training, is what that was, man. Yeah, I used to, I, I, I used to get chopped, man. Yeah, yeah, it was rough. <laughs> yeah. It was rough. There's about six people in the, in the class. I think three or four of us actually made it. Give us some names here. And Chris Baum was one of them. Chris oh, okay. Baum. Yeah. Yeah. Longtime tag team partner, TJ. Woody. Yeah. Woody. Okay. Yeah. I remember Woody. Yeah. Um, and that's all I can remember. Oh, uh, Roxanne, do you remember her? I think oh, she yeah. passed away. But, yeah. Rest in peace for sure. Yeah. Roxanne, she, she trained with us for a little bit. And the rest of them, I don't. The Victory Twins, of course, came in and helped me out. They came around and bumped for me and and taught, you know, basically bumped beside me, showing me how to do it. Yeah. Um, I think that's that's about it that actually made it. The rest of them were just in and out, in and quickly in and out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I you, you brought up Hot Rod Biggs earlier. How's Hot Rod doing, man? I I, I miss that guy. He was a good dude. Yeah. He's, he's in and out of his problems as well, you know what I mean? Oh, uh, yeah. He's still hot, Rod. He's hanging in there. Yeah, I love that guy. He put me over so much on Saw TV, y'all. Y'all don't even know. He, he, I mean, he didn't even have to do that. And he was always like, Jimmy Strait is up to something tonight, you know. And I love Hot Rod. I've got so much time for Hot Rod. All right, so you got into wrestling. So you're basically in 96 now. When was your first match, technically? 96. It was uh, uh, Dixon, Tennessee. They took the ropes down and put barbed wire up for my first match. Oh, my God. (laughs) So you did basically everything that people nowadays would never do. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your first bump was in a parking lot. Your your first match was a barbed wire match. Uh, Your first title was what? A a snapping turtle they put around your waist? I mean, come on, man. Yeah, yeah, basically. What the hell? Yo, I I came in totally different than everybody else. I was trained by Gypsy Joe, dude. I mean, I had... had to withhold his name and everybody that really made it through his training, which I think there was only two or three of us, uh, we pretty much held it up. You know, uh, Rick Reynolds 
uh, Rick Reynolds was yeah. one of the interns and became Damien. Right, right. And yeah, he was he was a hell of a tough guy too, man. Big dude, love Rick. Yeah, yeah. There wasn't many of us that could act, could actually carry that name, man. Right. Which I didn't get the opportunity to carry it as far, as far as I wanted to, you know. But I did exactly what I set out to do. I said I set out to make a name for myself here in the Mid South. I said name. I set out to make a name for myself in Nashville in this area, and I wanted to be like the Lawler, or whatever, or the, the Dundee sure. of, yeah. of Nashville. And I feel like I came close. You know what I mean? I mean. I still yeah. got my pictures up in tons of bars downtown, man. So, <laughs> yeah, dude, you did for sure, man. I mean, as far as it goes, for sure, you know, you, I always kind of compared you to like, kind of like, I always considered you kind of like the American badass undertaker, but more like if you had Kevin Nash's personality, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I and, think that kind of hurt me too, man, because, you know, I had the long hair and all that stuff. I always wore all black and then halfway did it like it evil kind of thing and 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 um a lot of times everybody said well you look like the undertaker you look like the undertaker and i, I hated that now I, I feel like that that may have held me back some looking like somebody else i don't think i look like somebody else but some people would compare my look to his you know what i mean well I, and i can see where you're coming from there what i meant more was your vibe especially in the locker room like you were looked on as a person that people could respect and look up to and talk to, you know, that's kind of what I meant by it. I, I didn't realize that was people given that comparison a lot. I didn't know that actually. I don't, I don't think they were comparing my work to that. I mean, yeah, you know, right. uh, just, just, the, just the look, you know, what I'm okay. saying? just the long hair, just the look. Yeah. But, uh, could be worse, brother, you know? I mean, <laughs> but I get what you're saying, you know, I get what I about got the fight at the bar one time. I walked in and got said, Oh, look, DDP. I, I want to kill you, dude. That's I'll take the Undertaker, but you call me DDP. I was ready to fight because he's not exactly attractive man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> H. Falkenberg. Yeah. yeah. Well, hey. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, see, I mean, even just sitting here talking with you and, and seeing the picture here on the Skype, you and and I hope this comes across the right way, but you you got that look. You got that. You're that tough guy look. You're the you're the badass brawler look. You're not the the golden haired baby face, you know, kid that's going to come out and 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 make the women swoon and all that stuff. You're the tough ass uncle that's down the street's going to come down and whip someone's ass because you know you're you're causing nonsense. I mean, that looks like that's the vibe that I would get. You know, just seeing you, you know, sitting here with you, uh, is now, so is that something that you, you cultivated? Did you, I mean, did you just go, well, no, this, I was like this, this a, man. Yeah, yeah, that's what <laughs> I was like, I didn't choose to look like this, bro. <laughs> I, was, I, mean, I was, I like, was born like this. <laughs> that's what I mean. Like you were already, you spent your youth being that tough guy, being that, that badass. So you're like, well, I might as well do it in the ring too. At this point. I mean, did you work a lot of heel, a lot of face did you work back and forth or I worked a lot of heel. I started out with a guy named Charmin Charles. Do you remember him? Oh, I love Charmin Charles. Yeah. Love I him. started out with He's a guy great. named Charmin Charles who, who played like a pimp role, but he was, he actually, yeah. he played, he played for Kentucky headhunters back in the day. Right. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. He yeah. was covered in tattoos. He's already like an older man. And, um, he's probably 25 years older than me at the time yeah. but um 
And he would go to the mall and go in these stores and buy these suits. I mean, straight, bright colored pimp suits with yeah. the pimp hat and the, pimp, <laughs> the and the alligator shoes. He spent so much money on these outfits, man. And he came up with this idea. And I think this is what really uh, got me noticed in Nashville straight off the bat. It wasn't really my work ethic because I was green. I was, I was straight out of training. Me and him hooked up. So uh, he would, as when I came out, as soon as I, I carried a sledgehammer, so I, as soon as I threw my sledgehammer up in the air, he was behind me, and he would throw a, a, a fireball, and it would make it look like it's coming out of my hammer. And the last yeah. he was just throwing his hands up, just saying, you know, we're here. You know what I mean? And then yeah. a lot of people awesome. caught on to that, man. I mean, that was, that was really catchy because nobody else was using fire at the time. You know, we were in these little venues where you can't, of course, use, you know, like that so we were just kind of inventing a little cheap way of doing it but i think that's what actually you know got my name to start catching on to people it wasn't wasn't surely wasn't my work because i was just starting out you know but right you know charming charles helped me a lot you know he helped me out a lot as far as managing. He was there. He had the book for Porter for a long time, just as I was leaving. And he was like, he was like, he always called me Sheiky. He said, Sheiky, we got to get out of here, brother. <laughs> I said, all right, let's do it. He was great. I, I, I hope he's doing well too. Love to have him on the show. If you, we'll talk after this, maybe get in touch with him or something, you know? Uh, so, okay. So we've got this. We've got cagematch.net shows that you, your first official recorded appearance is a tag team with Hot Rod Big in the USWO. Tell us about the USWO because that was the first wrestling that I ever saw in Nashville. I don't know where you dig this crap, man. I don't know where you get this stuff from. But, uh, you know, the the internet's always been backwards on me. I've always been been robbed by the internet. You know what I mean? I mean, before I was, you know, I was wrestling people like uh, Chris Champion and stuff like that before Hot Rod. Well, no, what I mean is, is this is what they're writing down as the first appearance that somebody took notice of, I guess. I'm saying, you know, wrestled way before this what i mean is is this is when it starts on your career technically in in this cagematch.net website and so that's kind of what i was picking up on but fill us in between that 96 to 2002 is kind of where i was going with that 96 to 2002 this one i was probably wrestling every night except for except for monday i think the only reason i we weren't wrestling anywhere in the area on monday was because raw was on everybody's a damn mark man yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, I, mean, yeah. I, I hate to admit that and then tuesday everybody would try to do what they saw on monday <laughs> uh, we were we i was wrestling in uh, shelbyville dixon tennessee um gallatin madison I mean, everywhere, just it's everywhere close within yeah. an hour and a half, two hours from Nashville. And I was staying busy, man. And uh, 2002. So I guess I started, I think. Hmm. It puts you in a tag team with Hot Rod Biggs. But I guess what I meant was, is because the internet is not telling us enough. So you said there was some stuff you did with Chris Champion early on. Yeah, that was in Columbia, Tennessee, real early. Yeah. Real early. I uh, uh, started working a few matches with uh, Chris Champion. He kind of took me under his wing, and he was the one that uh, uh, took me up to uh, Evansville, Indiana, to get my first look up there. Yeah. And yeah. I stayed there for four years, five, five years before I stopped going every week. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, right. I was I was up there for quite, quite a long time. I was wrestling with people like um, Madman Pondo. 
Oh yeah. Ooh. Uh, Ooh. Necro yeah. Butcher. Y'all know yeah. Necro Butcher. Oh is. yeah, I've seen Necro work, yeah. And Too Tough Tony. Yeah. Uh, Corporal Robinson back in the day. Um, then Chase Stevens, young Chase Stevens had a class. Oh, yeah. It was there. he started his class there. That's before he came to Nashville. He was working wrestling there too. So yeah, so exactly. That's kind of where I'm coming at. So there is such a budding amount of talent around this time, and you guys are really working the territory. That honestly, you know, because USWA, if you weren't in USWA, you you know they call them the outlaws, as Wolfie always calls them, the outlaws yeah. and stuff. But that's really all you had to work because you're not working USWA. So technically they're not the outlaws to you, you know, they're everything. So, okay. So if you were doing a loop, was it a loop that made sense or was it a loop that took you way out of your way all the time? It took me way out of the way all the time. It didn't make sense. Nothing was tied in like, like Wolfie's loop when he was doing the Louisville, Nashville, Memphis, uh, uh, Texas or whatever, you know, um, that, that loop right there was all tied in together with their angles because they were all, on television together and they were all working together all the time on all these shows. Now uh, I was, I was booked where I was booked and wrestled whoever they told me to. Sometimes I had a weekly storyline there in that town where the next town that we might've been friends. You know what I mean? It it made no sense. Right. Right. Who was the first big name you worked with? Good question, man. Good question. Chris Chris Champion is the big name. Okay. And if y'all don't know who Chris Champion is, learn something. He was in the tag team, the new breed. He was a local legend, but he was also a big time dude that really was amazing and incredible. And and unfortunately, he is gone now. We lost him way too soon, but an incredible incredible performer so okay so you got that now you're working in uswo is this kind of when you picked up with tony falk as far as a finishing or had you already trained a little bit with tony as well no i trained with tony as well from day okay okay so yeah so you and tj where tj and he were kind of working together basically you know when did you drop off from training with gypsy I trained with Gypsy for six weeks, and then he kicked my ass for about a year and a half. Where he just took me around to every town that he could think of, got me booked at every show he could think of, from Mississippi to Alabama, for to I mean everywhere, and just kicked my ass every night, man. Yeah, that's, that's how awesome. I learned. That's how I learned. And I legit he, kicked your ass. I'm assuming. Oh yeah. We're, yeah, yeah, because he was the hardcore guy. You know what I mean? Real stiff. I'm, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's beating yeah. me with sticks and chairs and tables and whatever, <laughs> mops. I mean, whatever whatever he could find. He, he's, he's the type that would uh, run me through the concession stand, you know, uh, uh, sure. cans. I mean, just about anything. I remember he broke a chair over my head one time. You know, the little yeah. swivel pieces on the side that allowed the chair to come up and down. He, he still was beating me in the back, beating me in the back. And he kept saying, get up, kid, run, run, kid. And I was too dumb to freaking get up and run that <laughs> shot he hit me as hard as he could and that that little swivel part went in my back right beside my spine mm. and i mean oh, that man. really 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 tore me up yeah but uh that didn't stop me man yeah i mean i yeah. I, I, I don't know his work but i like i said i know necros so necro was a um, beast yeah so i can imagine some of the stuff you went through if you if you worked necro butcher at on a, a fairly regular uh yeah i i've seen some of his stuff and you're just like and every oh week god that's every, he should be arrested week. 
Yeah. <laughs> Every week he was having those, those matches, and you know that yeah. was a hardcore town at the time. It was nothing but hardcore wrestling in Evansville, Indiana. So sure. every yeah. Wednesday, I think it was Wednesday night. Every Wednesday night, uh, you know, you you have to put yourself in a psychological state to go up there and and beat yourself to death. What uh, <laughs> what organization have, was that there? CC. Yeah. CCW, CCW, yeah. Right. Okay, yeah, yeah. But uh, I, uh, I remember um, a, a baby swimming pool with sand in it, and and Corporal Robinson walking around getting everybody to hot box a cigarette and get a a big long cherry on the end of the cigarette. He would stand them all up and then body slam people in it. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> I, I remember, I remember uh, uh, an aquarium in the middle of the ring. And uh, I think Man Man Pondo was in this match. I can't remember. Man Man Pondo and Necker Butcher, I believe. It was. It was Necker Butcher. And and uh, in the aquarium was a bunch of leeches. And they had both gotten colored and messed with barbed wire and glass and light tubes and everything else. And then shoved Necker Butcher's head in there with the leeches. leeches. Uh, <laughs> oh, I remember man. piranhas. I remember piranhas. I also remember Necker Butcher ate one of those leeches to get the crowd's <laughs> reaction, he got real sick. It almost killed him, man. Oh, jeez. <laughs> you know, I thought I was watching him staple people was nuts, and then <laughs> I never saw uh, the piranha bit, you know? Yeah, the, the, staple, the staple was easy, man. I remember I, uh, I wrestled Chris Champion in that building, too, and there was a wood table, old school, old wooden tables laying around there. He brings this table out, and he goes from the top rope to the outside to me in the floor. Bam! I mean, it was like, I just got hit by a train, man. And the table didn't break. One more time, kid. <laughs> and the table didn't break. So I, he said, well, one more time. We got to break this table. I just rolled out of the way on that third one. I let it sting a little bit. You know, so we ain't doing this again. <laughs> Something else, man. That's probably a good move right there, brother. That's a non-gimmick table. So <laughs> Yeah, that was a yeah. non-gimmick. That's a hard-ass table. Old-school tables, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I have my first electric. Okay, this is the first one that I have ever heard of, and I, I remember digging pretty deep. I was in the first electrified cage match in the United States. They took like eight car batteries and lit it up. So they would take barbed wire or some type of wire, put it all the way around the rope. So whenever you would hit the ropes to the cage, it would shoot sparks all over the cage. Make the connection. Yeah. Okay. So uh, in the back, I'm like, man, I used to wet my hair. And um, I'm thinking, no, I can't wet my hair because electricity. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to take any chances with that you know and then uh, then i found out chris champion was going to be on the floor with a two liter bottle of kerosene or whatever throwing spitting fireballs the size of volkswagens inside the cage you know what i mean i'm like oh no wet my hair later on in, in tna which i came up about the same time james storm did and um we had our little battles and stuff, but um, James Storm in TNA had an electrified cage match, and he was going off like, "Yeah, this is the first one." I, I, the whole time I was thinking, "Man, no, wasn't no." That's that would help. But it you sounds good on TV. Yeah. yeah, first one on TV. You take the credit for it. Oh, <laughs> that uh, son of a something or other. Yeah, really. Well, I'll tell you what. What you know? What you talk about breaking the tables? I think it's a good time for us to take a quick break here. 
See what I did there? That's that's a segue, Jimmy. We're going to do that real quick. When we come back, we're going to talk more with Hammerjack and find out uh, you know, a little bit more about his career and uh, what he's got going forward. Stick around. If you're a pro wrestling fan, there's something for everyone at the Cheap Heat TV Podcast Network. From the Pro Wrestling Discussion Show, Cheap Heat TV Live, to the interview show, the Jackson Interaction Podcast with the king of all wrestling media, Gene Jackson, to the silliness of the Whitey Jenkins Show, and the brand new Zip, Xander's Irresistible Podcast with Charles Anders. You can check them all out and much more over at CheapHeatTVLive.com. Hey, this is the one-man goldmine, the one-man enterprise of professional wrestling and all entertainment, Flynn Hendricks. And you better believe when I'm looking for a good podcast to listen to, I go to my own. I go to the I Know You Hear Me podcast hosted by me, Flynn Hendricks. That is such a fresh perspective for how you should look at life, too. Like, I just, I love that. And then when I'm feeling spooky, I go to my other podcast, Tales from the Haunt, where myself, I want my head shoved inside a 15-pound silicone mask more you know i want to have a bucket of sweat coming off me at the end of the night than just jeff dogs don't lay eggs i hate you so much talk to other scare actors about what it takes to get into the world of scare acting so if you're curious about how people became professional wrestlers actors prioritized their mental health became entrepreneurs avoided burnout or got into scare acting, you need to go check out I Know You Hear Me and Tales from the Haunt, available on all podcasting platforms. And I know you hear me. All right, we're back, everyone, with Hammerjack here on Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. And he was just talking about, you know, the the uh, the delicate art that is professional wrestling with um, wildlife like leeches and... and uh, well, we were off the air. We were talking about the uh, weed whackers and such. Uh, I know Jimmy, you're, you're, you're going down the retrospective. That's why you're the professor, man. But I, I do need to ask one, one quick question. What, what can you think of the hardest bump you took? <laughs> the first one with gypsy Joe. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. The parking lot. bump. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, probably the one that hurt the most at this point, but what was the most insane, crazy bump you, you took, man? Uh, I'm trying to think, man. I've taken some really sick, sick bumps. Mm-hmm. The, uh, <laughs> that, that's hard, man. I mean, yeah, it might have been the first one with two stones in that parking lot. Um, I can't remember well, the guy's name. I remember coming off the top rope with some kind of a, a suplex or something, and the guy didn't hold me correctly, dumped me completely on my head. I finished Ugh. the match and got in the back. I actually finished the match. I got in the back, and as I was kind of coming out of a fog, I didn't know how I got to the back. And I was like, what What happened? What happened? How'd that go? You know, how'd I get back here? And they were like, you don't remember? You had a decent match. It's just, just one bad bump. It's like I got one bad bump. I don't remember nothing afterwards. Wow, oh, man. Uh, you know, I've, I've, I've had... Uh, some nasty, nasty uh, chair shots. Okay, here, here's one with Necro Butcher standing there getting heat with somebody on the side of the ring. I'm inside. Both of us are inside the ring. And yeah. I'm leaning over the rope so my elbows are sticking out behind me. 
and he came up behind me and I know he swung that chair as hard as he could. He caught both my elbows at the same time. But when I turned around, I could not bend my elbows down. I'm sitting there looking at him like I'm begging, going, please. <laughs> but it's, it's not like I was begging. It's like I couldn't put my hands down. I could not control my elbows. I could not release, you know, the, the bend or whatever for a few minutes after that. And then he wants to put me in the chair to chair. We're sitting knee to knee in the crowd. Right. And uh, right. Uh, swapping yeah. baseball punches or hockey punches, whatever you want to call it, which means that was the, the, the real deal. We're yeah, just each yeah. other right in, the, right in the crowd, just one after another after another. That was probably one of the toughest matches I had was with yeah. Necro Butcher. Man. Yeah, that was one of his that was one of his signature spots was the the chair to chair, you yeah. know, just just trading shots. And how was that a signature spot? <laughs> Uh, it is, but yeah, yeah. Either him or uh, another tough match I had, and I think the the reason why I went to Pennsylvania and I wrestled a guy named Julio De Niro, and yeah. I think Julio De Niro thought I was just some dumb hillbilly or something like that, and I didn't know what I was doing, just coming there to wrestle Nashville style, and that's all I knew was hardcore or whatever. Well, I got in there and took the match to him. Uh, 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 Charles was on the outside running his mouth getting heat so he I guess he thought he was stealing from the match or something but he drop kicked him off the ring and into the crowd and I had to spin him around and and gave him gave him a pretty good shot and he gave me a pretty good shot and it went back and forth back and forth until finally I guess we both realized nobody was going to give in and they said okay you ready to work now let's finish it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I had, see, to, I had to take that from my buddy. He's older, you know. He's older oh, than me. Yeah. You know, he got drop kicked. I didn't know if he was dead, man. I mean, right. he nailed him. But uh, I think I got a little bit of respect out of Julio that night. I bet you did. I you know, the last, you did. Last question I want to ask you, and I'll let Jimmy get back to his, his timeline. Speaking of that match there with Julio, has there been matches that have? I mean, I, I'm sh- obviously there's been matches that's turned into a legit fist fight. Uh, have Not you, many on it, my part, though. Really, really. Really. I, I, you know, yeah, I mean, how does that? How does that work out when you get well, to the back? You know what? Sometimes it, it, it continues. It can go south. In the back. <laughs> <laughs> it gets real good, legit it in the back, right? Right. In the back, but you know, I've always been the one that could talk to people reasonably, and and I never had those issues too many times in the back. You know what I mean? Good. I, I, okay. I talk my way out. Although I, t- I remember this guy's name was Rock and Roll something. Um, anyway, he, he came in to the locker room. His girlfriend came in the locker room. Why she was oh, there, I don't man, remember. Lord. She had a cast on her arm. And uh, I was like, honey, what happened to your arm? And she goes, oh, whispering, saying that me and him got into it. Me and rock and roll got in. And, you know, he didn't mean to. And I was like, oh, really? <laughs> so I was like, uh, I want to wrestle him. That was for Tim, <laughs> Tim Scruggs. Yeah. And uh, I said, I'm going to wrestle him. And uh, Tim said, Tim knew the deal, man. And he said, okay, go ahead. You know, do what you got to do. At yeah. the end of the match, I called Woody in to do a little run-in. Woody comes in and held his arm out there. And uh, I held his arm, and Woody kicked it. The next oh. week, he was wearing the, the blue cast, and she was wearing the pink one. <laughs> <laughs> well done, sir. Well done. <laughs> you know, hey, hey, Hammerjack, Mark Anthony, we'll give him a shout-out here. He had his own bounty hunting service and you would go with him on those calls right you he would ask you to go along no the mark mark took me to get my license and yeah. then ah, man i'm so terrible with names and there was another guy that lived in uh, the murfreesboro area and he owned his own bounty hunting outfit or whatever i went with him a few times but he, 
I never got to the point where I was like carrying the gun and, you know, being the badass or whatever. He would always say, look, I'm going to knock on the front door. I want you to go around back. Here's a stick. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) They're going to come running out the back when they see you knocking on the front. Right. You're the one that, that got him out of jail. You're they're gonna recognize you. He said, yeah. yeah, man, it's really not as bad as you think. Just just take them down and yell, I got him or something. No, like Jesus Christ. <laughs> they're fighting for everything too, you know. Yeah, we only I've only you know, we captured two or three people together, but nothing nothing huge, man. Yeah. <laughs> Is he still doing that? Mark, Mark, yeah. no, Mark owns a construction company. He's doing very well for himself. That's right? good. Good. Shout Excellent. out to Mark. Absolutely. So you, we said we were kind of going down your path here. So, you know, right around the time that we were, you know, there was Kroll and Malenko, the extreme clown posse at USWO, but you were also kind of working NWA main event there some, and then you were working USA championship for Burt, you know, with style and Shane Eden and then you're kind of in USWO as well. So basically, you're 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 doing the rounds in that area. Essentially, that's yeah. that's what you had to do. You know. Yeah, that's a but right around the time I started working for Burt too. We're talking about 2001. When did TNA start? 2002. 2000-ish. Yeah. 2001. Yeah. Rumors started flying around that TNA was coming in, and they were uh, painting the fairgrounds which is the Mecca. They're painting the fairgrounds black. Black, yeah. And I'm like, man, this is something big is going to happen. You know, they never allowed somebody to paint the entire interior of the fairgrounds black, you know, for for TV taping. So, uh, Burt Prentice knew who I was. I've worked a few matches for him, but as he was walking by one time, I shook his hand and he said, when are you going to work for a real company? And I, <laughs> I squeezed his hand and I pulled him up to my chest as hard as I could. And I thought we were chest to chest. And eye to eye, I looked at him, I said, are you offering me a job, Burt? You know what I mean? He said, See me after the show. See me after the show. Yeah, he he said to me, he always said to me, he was like, you know, you're pretty good, but we got to get you a better gimmick. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Bert was a good guy, but rest in peace, man. A lot of people misunderstood him. You know, I mean, he had his problems. He had his demons for damn sure. Sure. But but I had some some good times working for him. Actually, he he led me into uh, uh, working with uh, uh, Terry Taylor. Terry Taylor doing TV tapings up with with Burt with USWA Championship Wrestling. That's awesome. So we uh, no, it wasn't awesome, man. I thought, man, then we're gonna fight. <laughs> thought, oh, for real? Well, explain. Fight. Yeah, he, he <laughs> explain. wanted me to do this uh, do do a particular finish, which which I freak, I don't know what it was. Job out for Doug Gilbert, not really knowing that I was trying to protect my name you know what i mean right. wanted me the job out for him so i was like okay i'll do, do it for this one time or whatever doug changes the finish in the middle he goes for a power bomb only he shot me on it you know he, he was shooting the hole and uh i didn't come come up as fast as i should have and it was almost it was it wasn't the most beautiful bump that he wanted for a finish put it that right. way when i got in the back he thought he was gonna come yell on my face and that didn't work out too well man i I don't care who you are. Don't yell in my face, man. Right, right. Yeah, that's and, just and, not. Yeah. In the same time, same era, you know, the, uh, I was I was offered, and he was still booking at the time. They came up to me and said, "Look, would you like to to uh, uh, they're they're searching for talent for for some type of taping or something?" So I showed up, and it turned out it was for the movie that uh, uh, Sting was doing called "The Moment of Truth." He ended up selling about two million copies of that. Yeah, yeah. Copies of that. I was in that 
had a, had a good part. And they they asked me. They said we're we're looking for somebody to be the Red Rooster. Yeah, that that and nobody else can you know can do it but you. And I was like Red Rooster. Do I look like the Red Rooster? Do you know this guy? I'm talking to the director, which was some famous director, which I don't I don't know. You know sure. what I mean? I, I don't sure. Know. Yeah. But um, uh, he said, Oh, you're you're right. That probably wouldn't work. Um, um, can you come up with a fictional character that would fit the 80s? And I said, man, I got an idea, man. He goes, what's that? I said, man, what about you call me Hammerjack? And I like came out with this sledgehammer. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and, and I pitched it like a fictional character or something, you know, that would just fit in the 80s. So if you watch the movie, it looks like I'm, I was, you know, back in time. You know what I'm saying? That's it was awesome. Just, it was pretty yeah. cool. That is cool. So, okay. So we worked for Porter. Some, like I said, I worked for Porter and you brought me in. Bert was my first paying gig in the Nashville wrestling scene. I got to manage Dutch Mantel against Lawler. That was awesome. Dutch iggied me like 33 times. I'm not joking, but talk about USWO some more, man. Cause you know, I love Bert. I, you know, Porter's Porter, but man, Tony Falk, what a great dude. I, I, I can't say enough about him and his family. In his his promotion, you know, if it wasn't for Tony and, and his 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 promotion, you know, I would never have been able to do get half the stuff that I did because I was getting my TV exposure through through USWO. And like yeah. I said, he was he was one of the guys that trained me. So of course I was I was loyal. I was dedicated to whatever he needed. You know what I mean? Right. He, sometimes he didn't think so, but I thought I was dedicated, loyal. You know. Sure. But sure. you know they uh, LT Falk came up. I got to watch him grow up. That was that was really cool. Yeah. Now he's he's an awesome wrestler, man. Oh, you know, yeah. I remember totally. him when he was just a little kid. Tony's Tony, man. What can I say about Tony? He's like, he 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 taught me quite a bit, man. Yeah. Yeah, I think the world of Tony. When I would see Tony at Saw, and you know, he and I worked together a lot because he was the the figurehead, the the commissioner or whatever, and he was always foiling my my plans and all this stuff. And I would always talk to him in the back about the Texas, like world class and all that stuff. I would talk as much if if you saw me, I was either probably talking to you. Sometimes I would talk to Wolfie. Sometimes I would talk to Plunky, but most of the time I was talking to Tony Falk just because to me, you know, I was like, that, this dude, you know. Yeah. You're, t- you're talking to a legend, man. You're talking yeah. to, you know, one of, the, one of the guys that's been there, done that, you know, that trains, you know, helped train Stone Cold Steve Austin and all those other guys like that. And then, you know, I mean, if, 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 if there was a gimmick, he's done it. And right. If there was a person he's wrestled, and there were, if there was a company he's been there, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. He never did get that house and car that he deserved, man. No, he didn't. He never did. And I would love for him to still, I mean, there's so much there. I hope he's doing well, too. I, I've got his phone number, but I don't think it's the right one, or he just doesn't want to answer for a Virginia area code or something. But Possibility. Yeah, yeah. So, so obviously you're working these promotions. Then in 2005, I see that you work with Trey. Tracy Smothers in CCW Evansville. Talk a little bit about that, man. Talk about Tracy, some Tracy was a great guy. He was another one that kind of, I wouldn't say he, I didn't have the opportunity to run up and down the roads with him, you know, in the same vehicle, but I was on a lot of shows with him, became pretty good friends with him, you know, would call him periodically and check on him if I didn't happen to be crossing his path anywhere. Yeah. Uh, and he was great guy, man. I mean, he's, Best sense of humor, man. Totally. Tell a funny Tracy Smothers statement. Do you remember one that he would – because here's one that he said at NWA saw. He looked out the curtain 
and he came back and he he saw he saw I was paying attention. He says, "Well, I believe if they riot, we can take them." <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that meaning like it him. was a low house, obviously for the listener there. Do you remember any of those that he might have said that you would have heard? Uh, we were we were doing saw wrestling for maybe two years, and then we got on this this. A network called Air Force One, which would go to all the military bases and stuff like that. So all the military guys got to watch us wrestle for about two about two years, and and uh, he would always ask me, "How's it all going?" I know you're on TV, and they're picking up channels all over all over the country, and we were we we're really picking up picking up pace at that point. Definitely, and I, said, I said, "Yeah, man, it's all over the world. It's on Air Force One." He said, really? I said, yeah, I think some other people in the in the country other than military bases can see us as well. I said, man, I'm a star everywhere else, but I'm not in the United States. I'm kind of frustrated. He goes, what do you mean? I said, well, from what I hear, and I was joking with him when I said this. I said, from what I hear, I'm such a star. I can't even walk the streets on Bangladesh. In Bangladesh. <laughs> and then, so he called me Bangladesh from, from then on now. Hey, Bangladesh. <laughs> that's great that's so great I'm such a big star I can't even walk the streets of Bangladesh he came up to me one night and said hey brother I need a manager can you manage me and I was supposed to manage somebody and somebody and I was like they've already got me going on TV in my mind I'm thinking that I go to Cersei first I say Cersei Smothers wants me to manage him can I not manage those guys and manage Smothers? And he was like, I'm sure that'll be fine. I was like, so glad that I did that. Cause you know, it may have been a storyline that I was in with the other two guys, but I'm still a Mark. I was all about managing Smothers, you know, so. it, working USWO in, in the stadium in, and then, uh, working for Bert on Saturdays. Yeah. Uh, doing his TV as well. So that I was bouncing back and forth. Like I'd be on TV, I'd be on TV over here and it was upsetting them that, that, that I was kind of working them back and forth to get on TV. But, um, not too many people back then had the guts to do that. I didn't care. You know what right. I mean? I would, I would right. do my best. And Bert would always tell me, you're, you're like a little whore. All you want to do is just follow, follow the next big thing. It's like, what are we <laughs> supposed to do? Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yes. Yeah, I'm after the your next job. Thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> no, I'm just going to sit here and be stagnant and eventually work at Burger King. It's fine, man. Don't worry about it. It's good. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. What, what, do you, what do you expect? So so uh, that, that led to TNA looking at me. They gave me uh, a couple shots. I, I took some bumps for Jeff on the first or second show when they were still at this Auditorium. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, took some bumps for... Uh, uh, Scott Hall, which was amazing, yeah. and then and then and that led to me. Uh, Vince Russo kind of took a liking to me, like my look, and he made me chief of security. And this was sort of real quick. He made me chief of security. And um, uh, how many times did you hear him say, "Bro"? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, I love Vince, man. <laughs> so so uh, he he was trying to give me some opportunity because he liked my look. Yeah, and and he said, "Okay, you're chief of security. Ken Shamrock is going to come in the locker room, and when Ken Sh- Ken Shamrock comes back, this is an angle between him and Jeff." And yeah. He said, "I want you to say, uh, look, we're not going to have any violence tonight in the back room. You know, in the back room, no violence, right? Right, Ken? Right, Ken? And, and <laughs> yeah, what are you what are you talking about? I'm chief of security. I need to make sure that we have no violence. Violence, save it for the ring. Yeah, well, yeah. He was like." Uh, then Jeff comes in, says, "All right, what do we got?" We told him what we had. That was chief security, and I was going to say my part or whatever. And uh, Jeff says, "No, no, no, we can't talk. He can't talk. I don't know what what it was Jeff had against me, man." But he said, "No, no, he can't talk. He can't talk." 
like, yeah. What do you mean? I said, no, I got this. No problem. If I can do anything, I can talk. You know what right, I mean? Right, right, right. And, and he says, he looks away. He won't even look at me. He says, but Vince, this guy looks too much like a wrestler. And I said, well, give me a real job then. And, and uh, <laughs> I, I think that was the worst thing I could have said because I was oh. benched after that. I wasn't chief of security anymore. Uh, there was another guy that came in and they did the red shirt security team. And right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shortly after that. And it's funny that the guy looked kind of like me, but it was about three inches taller and about, about 40 pounds on me. But yeah. he looked, Kevin Northcutt was his name. Okay. Okay. Kevin Northcutt. Yeah. And he was with, uh, low Joey legend legend. Was that his name? Joey legend. Or yeah. Just there was Joey legend. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Joey right. legend. Yeah. They both kind of, kind of had, had the same look. You know, and I was like, man, that was my spot, man. That was my spot later on. I met Russo again, and uh, I was working for TNA, but uh, transporting, driving the truck for him, taking stuff here, there, whatever, up to Orlando and stuff. I was like transporting um, um, Kurt Angle's little stage pop up deal that he used to pop out of the stage. Oh, yeah, yeah. I took that to Orlando. and uh, I was just at the same time hoping to get a job out of it. Then I, I, I was driving an RV and I had BG James, uh, the Voodoo, what was the name of the tag team? VK. Voodoo Ken Mafia. Yeah, yeah I had that, yeah. the whole tag VK, team yeah. and the whole deal in the truck with, with Vince. And I'm driving them to do some type of a WWE invasion up in Knoxville. And uh, wow. there, I get to help hand out all these little things. You know, we're, we're totally invading, man. <laughs> we're giving out tna shirts hats all this on video too shirts hats uh dvds all kinds of stuff and then we go hide the the crowd (laughs) the crowd goes in and then uh i i guess uh uh, paul um um triple h and x Pac, maybe some that they're all down in the ring and then they they come out and do their thing and they're all you know, popping for the TNA guys being there, and they kicked, they kicked us all out of the building. So I was there for that. On the way back, uh, Vince was like, so you wrestle? And I was like, yeah, you don't remember? He's like, why? <laughs> why you so I was like, you tell me. You know, he was, you're the writer, write me in. You know, and he goes, well, I'm going to have to change that. And, of course, you know, nothing came out of that neither. But, yeah. But, uh, I remember when they did that invasion because they showed that. And I remember the biggest thing that I remember is Road Dog said, look at the mahi-mahi. <laughs> yeah. I kept saying mahi-mahi about the catering. Anyway, well, that's cool, man. So around 2007 is when it starts to show up that you start working Saul Millersville. Obviously, we know, man, you know, Honestly, if 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 I had to pick one person in Nashville that I worked for to say was my favorite was TJ Weatherby. I went to his funeral. I saw you there, of course. I said that there were some of the toughest guys in Nashville were shedding a tear over that dude. And that was about the truth, man. I think it shook a lot of us up and especially losing somebody like TJ because you know, TJ kind of would, you know, pick the guys that he saw something in, but they didn't necessarily have to be the one that was, you know, almost going to work for TNA or almost going to get in with the Fed or whatever. You know, TJ saw something in somebody and he would really give you a chance. Yeah, I miss TJ. He was one of my best friends, man. Yeah. No, yeah. that's friends with the whole family. I still am today. I, I watch his kids come up. I watch his kids wrestle. I watch them stay home. You know what I mean? I watch yeah. them have kids and, you know, his kids, beautiful kids, man. I keep telling the Cody, I guess it's 
he's not the oldest, the middle son, I guess. I keep telling yeah. him uh, that I'm going to steal his son, put him on YouTube, make a million dollars off him, train him to box and everything else, and just start filming it. And I haven't done it yet, but I think that this fall I'm going to get that kid in some kind of a, a, a training atmosphere and a videotape this kid, good-looking kid, man. He's 10 years old, but I think he's 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 got the look for YouTube, man. He's Did got the go look that I can make a lot. Of, I mean, he can make a lot of money off. <laughs> <laughs> you carny. Yeah, so, okay. So talk about TJ, man. Tell us, you know, in that time you get to work at Saw, I saw you get to, eventually you work with Raven for the first time. You yeah. work a feud with David Young. Eugene, Mark Nick Densmore. Yeah. Mark uh, Anthony. You got you and Mark have a killer feud, and then you work some with Jeff Daniels. Some keep, yeah. I wrestled too tough, Tony, in that building. Um, yeah. uh, I, I mean, anybody that was anybody, I would get be the one to get the opportunity because, you know, I I, I kind of helped out with the promotion, promoting, right. you know, putting the posters out and all that stuff, and and yeah. uh, doing a lot of uh, internet work for him, posting on on my Facebook and everybody everywhere else I could post about it. And me and TJ were good friends, man. I mean, he knew I was taking care of him, and he definitely took care of me. So a lot of people didn't. Oh, were totally. like, Why does he get to work? Why does he get a get a spot? Why does he get? A, well, <laughs> dude, I'm paying my dues and I'm earning it, and you should too, because that's what a wrestler does: is promote himself. Get out there and do some work, man. Right, Don't right. Wait right. for somebody else to do it for you. Get out there and do some work, and that's what I was good at. That's what I'm good at today. I'm going to turn it around and. and Utilize what I learned in the past to, to do something different today with this kid. I'm gonna make a million dollars off of him. I'm telling you. <laughs> well, when you do, come back on the show with him. Yeah, so yeah, okay. don't forget your boys. Yeah, don't forget your boys. <laughs> so obviously you work all these guys, and then in 2011, quite possibly it was one of the promotions of the future, and I'm still surprised that it's not going on to this day. A little old company called Crossfire started up. So from the start. You had a good role there. What was your role with Crossfire? I was partners. Yeah. I was partnering with Marcus Pistorius. Uh, Marcus came to me and said, hey, I'm going to run a show. And I said, well, you want to run a big show that means something, or do you want to run just a little show like everybody else? And he was like, no, I want to run something that means something. I want to draw a lot of people. I want to sell the fairgrounds out. I said, no problem. Yeah. But he was from Philadelphia. No, Pennsylvania. He was from uh yeah, Philadelphia. But um, he didn't know the history or anything like that. You know what I mean? There were at the time there were there were uh, legend shows just starting to pop, and this is the very beginning of the legend shows. So so I said, what you need to do is attribute to the fairgrounds, and everything I told him to do, he did. And then he put his touch on it, and he promoted it, and we made it. We, we made it work, man. I said, he said, what do you think we need to do to promote it? And it's like, you need thousands of flyers, hand size that you can put in their hand, not in the convenience stores. They're walking out the door. I hope the guy somebody notices this poster. You know what I mean? You need something that you can put, uh, you know, a magnet to and stick it on the refrigerator so every day they can see it. You need something that you can, you know, that they carry around and maybe they think it's an actual ticket or maybe they think they get the discount for bringing this, you know what I mean? Like TNA did. Yeah. So, so, you know, and that worked. Our first show sold out. Second show sold out. Third show sold out. You know I mean? We were, we were clocking and I, I got to work some really, really good talent out there. I worked Rhino there. I worked Raven there, you know, in the front of sold out crowds, man. Oh, yeah. Like eight, you know, thousand people plus, you know, we were uh, pushing the bounds with the with the uh, the codes and all that 
But once Coz <laughs> walked in, I, I would be the one to go cool him off. Like Coz just walked in. I yeah. walked up and be like, can I get you a chair? You want a drink? You want a hot yeah. dog? <laughs> yeah. It's hard to relax? yell when they're sitting there watching the show. That's right. Yeah, I make sure so, they were watching the show, man. And right. and it worked. You know, most of the times they did. All right. It looks like everything's under control. Thanks for showing up. Come back next time. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Crossfire was so cool. First of all, it started out kind of as like a tribute show but it really morphed into something that was becoming its own thing you know there were 3d cameras that he used that are now being used currently that he started out using and a lot of people think well that came from this now i don't know did did somebody pick up on that from crossfire no what i'm saying is is that he was that far ahead of the thing he you wanted know? to film it and and use the same film that right that the movie, you know, movies were filmed. Yeah, yeah. Not exactly. not a Super 8 camera on the side, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And um, it was probably filmed almost on the same level as, as Vince, which yeah. was very, very, very expensive, man. Yeah. Oh, I'm you know sure. Yeah. I'm it, sure. Was, it was very expensive. And we, yeah. we got the eyes of uh, Paramount Pictures through that. So yeah. Paramount stepped in and they were talking contracts and, and, and throwing number signs around, just kicking around some number signs. Yeah. Well, yeah. then he decides to come up with this idea that he wants to uh, hurry up and get all these guys on paper. Yeah. And it was like way too soon. He's having people sign these contracts. And they don't know what they're signing for, man. It's like, dude, what are you doing? You know, right. I mean, we're still selling out shows. We got Bret Hart. We got, you know, Mick Foley coming in. We got, you know, you name it. The, they yeah. work there. Rikishi. Piper. Roddy yeah, Piper. Oh, yeah, we yeah. have Piper coming. That was amazing, dude. Yeah. Oh, I can crazy. imagine. Yeah. Uh, uh, we had we had anybody and everybody that was either coming in and signing autographs or you know the rocks dad you know the rocks dad that were selling this book and stuff like that and just man you, you did work too tough Tony you worked Rhino now you worked a buddy of mine as well who's Kazarni aka Sin Bodhi talk about him man Sin great guy Sin man. Bodhi well so I yeah. remember when he was just one of the Canadians that was coming down here trying to get a spot on TNA and he was working for Bert. Yeah. You know, and doing some stuff. And then he became the evil gimmick with Wolfie. Right, right. And, um, I know. New church. Yeah. And, and yeah. Dude, the, he is a great guy, man. And I'm not talking wrestling, outside of wrestling, man. He's great. 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 great Million guy. miles an hour. You you have to really pay attention because he will bypass a conversation quickly, you know? His so. creativity is way Super. beyond anybody else's, man. I mean, yeah. you know, he, he does his own little carny show in, uh, in Vegas. Freak show? Yeah, we're going to have him on to talk to the Plastic Sheik, our action figure expert, sometime because he's doing his own LJNs. You know, he does all those custom action figures and stuff. Yeah, so. yeah. You need to tell him to shoot shoot all your fans' links so they can watch a couple of his uh, carny shows, man, because they're. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we would love to. Yeah. Heck yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about your um, time with Kevin Sullivan or anything like that? Or? Kevin Sullivan was about the same time um, with. Um, it wasn't the same time as Crossfire. It wasn't Crossfire Wrestling. Um, they were doing a big angle with there was somebody that was trying to take me out so they they sent they sent um they sent rhino they sent raven they sent you know uh send Bodie. they sent a bunch of these people and i was i was barely beating them by the skin of my teeth you know what i mean and it looked like yeah. somebody was being sent in all these people and then it turned out that it was kevin sullivan the devil. <laughs> it's so awesome <laughs> the devil it's, himself yeah i tell you i tell yeah. you Good yeah. dude, man. Good, really. How really was it working guy. him, man? I mean, 
it felt like I was working tipsy toe, dude. It felt like really? I was working tipsy toe all over again, man. Yeah. And, and it was nostalgic, dude. It was, it was probably one of the, the highlights of my career for me. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Dude, I took some bumps for him over this guardrail and on the concrete. He was like, "Oh, oh, I could hear him." You know what I mean? When I was taking these bumps for him, and, uh, throw myself up on the hood of people's cars and stuff because we were having a, a fight outside. He's like, "Oh, oh, brother, brother, no, oh." He's old, he, it, he it sounded like he was scared that one of us were going to get hurt. You know what I mean? Because he was an older guy then. Right. And right. Uh, uh, he didn't want to push, push, push it anymore. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Oh, so, sure. I was ready to push it. I was pushing it for him, man. I was like, that's uh, a hell of a wild bump when the guy that not bumping goes, Whoa, okay, no, no, <laughs> bring yeah. it back a notch. <laughs> yeah, I, I took myself. There was a guardrail right in front of the uh, the the front door of the, the building. As we were going outside, I walked over to that guardrail and he gave me an uppercut and I shot myself up, up and over, took a huge <laughs> bump of concrete, man. He's like, Oh, oh whoa. Yeah. Okay. So eventually, unfortunately, something because you know Marcus got a little in too deep financially. I think he had even like sold his car to keep the company afloat. That's oh, yeah, a you, uh, you know. I heard he sold a lot of stuff. No, yeah. but <laughs> you know, you know that, yeah. Marcus was a good guy in the beginning. At the end, when Paramount decided they wanted to step in and see if they could do something for us, he got a little excited. He got overexcited, I should say. Sure. And he, he spent dollars $50,000, $50,000, $60,000 on a light system, man. Wow. Um, wow. The, this is our last show. The last show we had was $60,000 in lights, man. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Why are you doing this, man? You know, your, your head is not where it should be. And he said, this is what they want to see. Like, no, this is not what they want to see. This yeah. is not what brought us to the dance. This is not what got their attention. Why do you have to go? We're not WWE in this little small building that holds a thousand people. You know what I mean? 1,100 people is max. It's yeah. like, why do you think TNA didn't even do this? But TNA made their mark at the top of the building. And, yeah. and yeah. they wrote TNA in the, in the rafters way up in the building. And um, yeah. he yeah. rented the lift, had the lift for the lights, and he went up and and had me draw a circle around cross that and i swear to god that was a demise <laughs> oh, <laughs> i shouldn't that up, bro. i think i think Just we shouldn't have messed with that and then yeah. they took took the lights down from the ghoulist days which was the old square boxing light you know that right. used to hang over a boxing ring yeah. it was just a square classic light when yeah. they took that down I, I think that's when it just it it cursed everybody, man. You know. Yeah, because I mean that was probably from the very beginning. Because a lot of people don't know this. Well, they do if they know, but that place was built for pro wrestling. Yeah. I mean that's that's what that place was built for. You know, so you know even if they don't know that it was built for wrestling, that place is wrestling, and and you know, you know, and that's and that's that's also proof that even back then, people wanted an alternative to sports entertainment. Right. Yeah. They wanted that old school ring lit crowd, dark, smoky, stinky, grungy beer all over the floor, yeah. shitty <laughs> arena to watch pro wrestling in. There's something right. to it. Right. I've, I've seen pro wrestling in, in a little, uh, 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 high school gymnasium. I've seen it in a grand arena. 
It's a completely different. One of the best shows I ever went to was an ROH show in Dayton, Ohio, where I was right against the ring, arguing with Claudio Castagnoli about something and in homicide and arguing with these guys. And it's like, that's the best shows where you're right there and you can feel, you can feel everything. I mean, as a, as a fan, as a Mark, uh, you know, that's what I love. I can only imagine it's the same for, for the folks in the ring. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, would you rather work for a thousand people that are on top of you and you can feel it or 500,000 people that you can barely hear? I, I, I mean, I you have, want the paycheck from the 500,000, obviously. But. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, but I, I haven't wrestled in front of, you know, the, the WWE universe like that, you know what I mean? But, but for, uh, for, for me, I wonder if it's like the rock and roll atmosphere where it is better to work around 1500, you know what I mean? Than it is sure. 15,000. I'm sure well, it is. I mean, I've always heard in front of 500, it's you work way more snug, of course, too, because there's less people to absorb you, you know? Right, right, right. I know you probably were a snug working guy anyway, but you know. a lot of people said I was, but I, I didn't try to be all the time. Yeah. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> well, it was someone was uh, a little bit of a an, an uh, a hole with their girlfriend. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, yeah that makes. Right. But that I just mean, makes you a hero. But you I know, was as stiff as you were, man. You know, if, if you were stiff with me, I was definitely sure. Stiff with you, you know, and a lot sure. of guys didn't realize that they couldn't pull their punches as well as they they should have. So I didn't pull mine, and they blamed it on me. You're stiff. It's like oh. <laughs> he's hitting me. I, he's you were setting me. the pace. You yeah. didn't realize it. You know, one of the things about your career is you have had a very good amount of hardcore, but you are also a tag team guy and you know one of the things about this show that i think we really push is we love the idea of tag team wrestling we actually celebrate Me tag too. it's easier to entertain yeah I've, I've heard eric bischoff say why pay four guys to entertain when i can pay two guys so that's a lot of the reason he didn't like tag team wrestling vince just tried to kill it but you know you had some great tag teams not you know st- with hot rod bigs with all these guys but honestly in saw when you and i were working together you had some of the best like the story with mayhem and gator McAllister, how he came in as a look-alike and it was amazing because if you think about on that level pulling a look-alike gimmick is not easy you know what right. i'm saying you know we would pack it out in there and not say you that. think he looked like me <laughs> no i don't but it pulled it off you know so yeah, maybe, maybe ugly uglier bears i mean <laughs> come on <laughs> joe's, joe's, joe's not that bad but Here's the Wish.com version of you, sir. That's all. (laughs) The storyline worked, and that's all I can say. That was when you saw me at the Italian restaurant, and you were like, are you out of the business, man? And I'm like, I'm just getting paying the bills right now. And you were like, well, come back. (laughs) And I said, okay. And you had just done that gimmick, and and then you tagged. What's what's Italian restaurant? Coco's out on. Okay. on Charlotte. Because you know I'm Sicilian, right? And that means a lot to me man, when you go get some real, real food like that. Yeah, it's a real deal. yeah I know you are. <laughs> so now you were teaming with Kevin Weatherby <laughs> and Tim Jernigan was one of my favorite tag teams, the Monsters of Mayhem. Dude, y'all were killer, man. And what what's up with Tim, man? Whatever happened to him? I don't know. He, he just fell off. He wouldn't yeah. answer anybody that had to do with the wrestling business uh, Yeah, uh, through Facebook, through through phone 
did, yeah. would talk to you if he ran into you in the gym, you know? Wow. I mean, I, mean, wow. I wow. think it might have been an uh, issue with his girlfriend or something like that. I don't really, really know, so I don't want to sure. Sen- sure. insinuate anything. But sure. uh, he was a good friend for a long time, man, and, and uh, fit the part. We yeah. carried a lot of belts in a lot of different organizations, man, and yeah. held belts, three, four belts at a time. You know, I mean, yeah. We, yeah. we were rocking and rolling, man. And then right. all of a sudden, boom, he's gone. That's when me and Gator hooked up yeah. and, and uh, Gator kind of took his place. Yeah. So yeah. that all happened in, in Saw Wrestling. We right. had some good angles in there. We had some cage matches. Then, then we turned against each other and they wanted to make me the big baby face, which I didn't think was going to work. But it did. But yeah. Why do and they the, always have to break up tag teams? They always uh, have to have one person versus the other person. I carried you. You didn't do this. Why do they always have to do that? It's a cheap. It's it's a it's it's a cheap way for a storyline. You know it's what I mean? It's, it's for somebody who yeah. has somebody who has no creativity. Right. Goes back right. to the same exact storyline that they seen work back in 1986 with Thank one tag you. team work one time, and they think I can do this. And yes. it, it never works out. It like like Jimmy said, we're we're tag team fans. So, and I, I know what you're talking about back in you know the '80s. But it's like, come on, why why just stop doing it? Just yeah. make a tag team. Like we're big fans of FTR's work right now. Right. They're a tag team. They've bought into it. That's what they're going to do. That's what they want to do. You can just tell such a difference when both people. I have bought into being a team compared mm-hmm. to I'm a singles guy, but I'm, I'm saddled with Jim over here and I got to do this over here with Steve. And you know, it's, it's just such a difference. You're, you're right though. Yeah. That, the, the, the best times I can remember were either watching wrestling when I was growing up, um, was uh, uh, watching Ming and, and, uh, the barbarian tag. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, of fear. Mm. It's the greatest tag team ever in my eyes. You know, yeah, they were great, man. For I sure. wasn't love Rock and Roll Express. Wouldn't take nothing from Ricky. Ricky's a great guy, but Rock come high. on, man, right. you had Ming and you had <laughs> the yeah. You know what I mean? Two I mean, big, yeah, scary looking fellows. <laughs> uh, monsters. I know you had some issues with the your last match. You had an injury. Talk a little bit about that, man. What led up to that? Uh, wrestling Trey Stevens in the bar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Period. yeah. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound like a good idea at all. <laughs> yeah, it didn't work out well. Uh, I mean, we are we started off having a good stiff match as usual. You know what I mean? Me, you know, Chase is a great guy. Hell of a hand, hell of a worker, man. Sure. Yeah. Workhorse. But um, I stepped to him. It's it's kind of foggy, man. I stepped to him for one punch, like a baseball punch. You know what I mean? Gonna swing it like I'm throwing a baseball. He was in the corner, and I remember my left knee, as I was leading out, my knee gave, and my face slid all the way down his chest. <laughs> like, oh, shit. My, my, knee, my knee gave out, and then he's holding me up, and I'm making it look like I'm, I'm trying to struggle with him, but when really he's holding me up. And I said, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done, brother. Yeah. I'm done. And he said, uh, Oh, we got we got twenty minutes. Yeah. And I said, we ain't got shit. I, ain't, I can't <laughs> do this, man. This, this, you might this, got twenty yeah. minutes. Uh. <laughs> this match is done, yeah. bro. And he's like, "No, no, you can yeah. do it. You can do it." And it, we kind of went to the mat. Did a lot of mat work, man. And um, did did a lot of lot of stiff work because I, I 
my, my head was gone, man. You know, I was, I was totally out of it. But I ended up tearing <laughs> my meniscus and my ACL at the same time, and I had a major surgery after that. This was $40,000 surgery, man. And I, I watch people today, and they, oh, they, they, they get a surgery today, and they're like, oh, I have my meniscus done. And they're they're walking around. They, so where's your straight brace? Where's yeah. how right. Right. You, you just had one, what, a week ago? My, my surgery was nothing like that. So I think yeah. mine was a little bit more extensive, and I just don't remember. You know what I mean? Sure. Because I was probably enjoying the pain meds or something. I don't know, but but sure, sure. Some, something was going on there. But my 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 knee was as big as a football, and I spent a lot of time in bed. Man, I, I watched the entire series, you know, on Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> uh, ridiculous how much time I spent in bed. The next yeah. day, I think I was doing uh, physical therapy. The next day, and wow. I. I couldn't bend it all. They're like, they'll try to force it. I know there's a lot of swelling. I'm like, lady, you're crazy. I'm about to punch it as hard as I can, right? <laughs> Man, <laughs> you know what a chair shot feels like. Yeah. I got these crutches man. here. Yeah, exactly. Here. Yeah, crutch shot. All right, let's take another quick break, real quick. When we come back, we're going to. Uh, talk with hammerjack again find out uh you know how the knee's doing and uh kind of i, I guess i get to ask i've asked a few questions but i'll get to do the dan ass bit when we come back here on give me back my pro wrestling welcome to the monster movie stomp down with me stomping and my brother frank Hi, I'm frank. join us sludge mark and ruben three times a month as we review monster movies from around the world don't forget about the monthly contest and Triple I. Not only that, Frank, but you will find extra content like the Underdogs, Monster Mash Wednesdays, and the Friday Night Fights each week exclusively on our Facebook and Instagram. So please join us at the Monster Movie Stopdown. Your one-stop chomp for monster movie reviews, news, interview, trivia, laughs, and of course me, Stompy. All right, welcome back here to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. We've got Hammerjack with us, and it's been an awesome, awesome conversation. First, uh, I wonder if Hammerjack will will take the title. We we do a little bit here. What do you mean, wonder if I'll take the title? Right now it's a musician. Yeah, non worker. Uh, I'll break his fingers. What does he play? Yeah. Yeah, he's a guitarist. So guitarist, he'll be in so trouble. Aren't you are too, right? I well, am. Yeah, I am. Yeah. yeah. You are a bassist more specifically, right, Jimmy? Right. So definitely don't break my fingers. Yeah, please. no, don't. Because I mean, if you look at him, he he can't get by on his looks. He's got to get by on something else. Right. Don't right. Dan told me how how tough it is to go by on your looks. So you know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's why I plunge toilets for a living. All right. So now I get to do my favorite part. The reason I agreed to do this show in the first place, and that's I get to ask a pro wrestler question. <laughs> For the title? Well, no, no, no. You get okay, no, no, so no, the, no. okay. So I should explain myself. The title is whoever is the guest on the show that has the greatest amount of downloads oh, gets okay. to carry 
the download title. I'm I guess we should. Bro. I got a big family. We should just name it the. Well, that's fine. We like listeners. So <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. And we got some hammerheads out there. We got some hammerheads left. We'll I know. Right. I can't wait. We're gonna we're take. Gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna treat it like the old school. You sell some tickets, we'll get you on the show, kid. Uh, All right. So, <laughs> <laughs> so okay. So we're gonna see if you, you might be able to take the title on this episode. But I get to ask a question first, and my question is: How did you come up with the name Hammerjack? Because I'm always interested in, in the names. And second of all, if there was anyone, past, present, or future. Well, I guess we can't say future, but past or present that you would want to work still, who would it be? Oh, wow. I heard that last question. Let's let's come back to that. So the, the okay. first one, I'm from Baltimore, Maryland. So I, I grew up watching, uh, listening to heavy metal. You know what I mean? Just a big rock and roll head. So um, there was a club there that anybody that was anybody in the music business would play at this particular club and they would put their stickers on the back of the bumpers. So all over Baltimore, Glen Burnie, Annapolis, I mean, all throughout Maryland, actually, you would see this, the sticker for this particular club and it was called Hammerjacks. That's nice. nice. I, I dig <laughs> that. I, I, I actually, when Jimmy goes, we're going to interview my buddy Hammerjack. I went, yep. <laughs> I don't need to know nothing else. The name Hammerjack. Yep. <laughs> Please. Cool. All right. Uh, so I'll ask you another softball real quick while you're thinking of the, the other question. Who's your favorite uh, metal band? Slayer. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Slayer. Iron Maiden. Yeah. Iron Maiden. You know what? I could go yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. Jimmy knows I'm a big Motorhead Guar, fan. Do so. you yeah. listen to Guar at all? Oh, yeah. 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 I, I, my, Virginia my, band. My, one of my favorites is Motorhead. I'm a huge Motorhead, Motorhead. fan. Legendary. So, yeah. I wish Black you. Sabbath started the doll, man. Oh, so, yeah, oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah, Ozzy, you put on Spotify, Ozzy, and you're done. It's just. I, I swear I heard them say on the radio today, this is a new release by Ozzy Osbourne. And I was like, what? And then I got busy doing something that I didn't listen mm. to it. I'm glad you reminded it's me. It's yeah. true, though. Check it out. Yeah, it, coming out. yeah, or out. New, new, yeah, new music coming out from Ozzy. And then also, if you get a chance to jump on YouTube and see, he did a surprise closing bit for the opening ceremonies of the Commonwealth Games in England. Him and oh, Tony nice. Iommi. Him and Tony yeah, Iommi played, awesome. uh, I don't remember what song it was now, but yeah, they played. So, okay, now I'm going to put you back on the hook. Who do you want to work again? Who would you, if if we had the time machine and everything else, who would you want to work past and present? That's, that's funny. Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, I've wrestled every, anybody that's anybody that, that I came up with. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Raven, sure. Rhino, Sandman, Eugene. Uh, Boogie Woogie Man, Bill <laughs> a bunch oh, of nice. Uh, Bobby Eden got the rest of Bobby Eden with tag team. Uh, uh, uh Fast and Furious with Shane Eden, and that yeah. was at USWO. Yeah. I actually got in the ring with Bobby Eden, that, that was really, really, really cool. Harris Brothers, mm-hmm. um, Ron and Don, yeah. yep, yep. Jack Stane was a good one. Thinking of the Harris Brothers, would you have liked to have worked Bruiser? Yes, I would have loved to have worked oh. Bruiser Brother. I, I think. Sounds weird. I was a big Rikishi Mark man, so oh. I think Rikishi probably yeah. is one of the, which I became kind of friends with him. Man, you know, did a, did a few shows, carried him around Nashville and stuff whenever he came in town, but I, I never got yeah. to get in a ring with him. Uh, damn, I, yeah, I guess that's it. Rikishi, okay, man. yeah, Rikishi is it's a great one. A big man knows how to use his size, he knew exactly what he could do. 
how to do it, what to do to maximize. Hey, don't get it f***ed up. It's not that I want his ass in my face. You know that? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, we don't I started thinking about that. I was like, wait a minute, I'm that? asking for ass in my face. You know, that was, yeah, no, no, no. the Samoan SWAT team. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was some stiff stuff back then, you know? Yeah. That's a different but, kind. Uh, of, yeah. I would rather I'd rather have him stiff chop you than his ass in your face, though. Yeah, <laughs> than stiff ass me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, stiff chopper, stiff ass. <laughs> Bruiser yeah. Brody, I think you know Bruiser Brody would be another one too. I'm glad you said that. You know, and of course Ming and and uh, uh, the Barbarian, which I got to meet the Barbarian a couple times, but he was just running the show up around uh, yeah. East Tennessee. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Never got the opportunity to work that show though, man. Anyone, anyone current? You're a anyone current? You're a big fan of coming up or on TV? On TV now, Roman so, Reigns. So, I love Roman. Roman Reigns, man. I mean, you know, I don't yeah. get the opportunity to watch as much as much as I. I'm a Logan Paul fan, dude. Oh man, oh, yeah. he is yeah. amazing in the ring. What he's done, I agree, hundred percent. I followed his career. <laughs> since his first YouTube video, you know what I mean? I know he's on the platform before that, which I can't remember. It was kind of like the TikTok back then. I can't remember what the Right. Vine? Vine? Yeah, he was on Vine, yeah. which I yeah. got to see a, bo- a bunch of his stuff on YouTube. But um, um, first video on YouTube, I never missed one. I never missed one of the, the, the impulsive uh, podcasts and stuff, man. I mean, I, I, I really followed that kid's career. He's great. And <laughs> to get in the ring... And box legends, you know what I mean? Then turn around and wrestle too, and take. I know, dude. I know. That, there's a chance alone, man. You know, he looks like, good. This kid just—he's uh, got to be on the spectrum somewhere, man. He, t- he yeah. just doesn't give a shit, man. He's—he <laughs> might, he might. He's just gonna do it. He dude. might, man. <laughs> he said, he said he before his first match in WWE, he didn't train at all. Do you do you uh, believe that? No, he trained. I mean, no, he trained. Yes, bro. He was, he was, tra- he was trained. Yeah. I think the Miz was actually training him. Man. I mean, yeah, I was it, like, there's you know, no way he didn't work and didn't train at all. I mean, like, before I, he's, the, he's a natural athlete, but he's he's he had, you had to train about bit. six months before his match, uh, with no mention of it on the show. He had the Miz on the podcast, man. So that had to take some. Mm, okay. Oh yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 You know, th- theoretically, you could have a world champion Logan and a boxing world champion Jake. I mean, I'm I'm not saying Jake's ready for that yet. Jake was supposed he's to box looking that like kid. He was supposed to box on the 27th or whatever. He lost millions of dollars, man, because he's running that yeah. boxing fed and had to pull out of that match. Well, that guy didn't make weight is what it was. He was trying right. to come down from 215 to uh, to 200, which for right. his height and his build – Coming down fifteen pounds in such a short time, man, he, he would have it wouldn't have been a healthy healthy trip for him on the yeah. way down. Yeah, he would have taken an ass whooping at that point. He's gonna yeah, take an yeah. ass whooping I mean, anyway. Man, that is Jake Paul, man. He's got the on his head so hard, man. He's, <laughs> I think there's a big future for Jake for sure. So yeah. But anyway, I think that's Dan asks for the evening. <laughs> yeah, I'll shut up now. I'm sorry. So, so what's Shut your up. future plans, Hammer? Um, my future plan is to take this belt right here tonight. Take the belt. Yeah. Nice. Take the championship I and walk away with it. There was right. still happen, yeah. so all you Hammerheads, Hammer. make sure you download it. Yeah. Where can they find you on social media, brother? At anywhere and everywhere. 
yeah. Kenny Gotti on Facebook. Uh, the Real Hammerjack on Instagram. What's so damn funny, man? You're worse. You than said that. it's a work. It's a funny. It's a. You said it's a funny. It's a work. Yeah, it's not like promote. Funny. I don't make fun of your name, Jimmy Street. What did you walk the street? Is that how you make your money? You sell ads on the it street. Is. I, I, well, I, don't, on the street. I, I don't think he'd make much. Man, nobody Eddie. even pulled your yeah. chain, dude. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> Look, Hammer's taking the show over. <laughs> Wait a minute here. This is our show. We. I don't think you understand. I'm the champion now. <laughs> you no. have me on the show, so now I'm the champion. You understand? Yeah, okay, yeah, but we've run the promotion. It's yeah. Oh. Yeah. You need to have a match. I'll beat yeah. your eyes out and set them no, on the you, front ladies. No, you lap, won't do that. You know, you know, I'll set them on the lap of the fattest chick up. on the front row. I'll set oh. your eyeballs on her lap so you can see me pin your lifeless body. You're not going <laughs> to do that because I would never. Never show up for that. <laughs> oh man, Jared's just laughing at us because I guess Jimmy and I are both going to take an ass whooping now. Apparently, I've got to get my ass no, just now. You, Dan, you run your mouth the whole show, man. <laughs> oh, oh, so now it's just me going to get my ass whooped. Uh, definitely. Oh, okay. So, so I got to. What do I got to drive down to? to what is it? Uh, Elk Snout, Tennessee, to to, to oh, wrestle no, you now somewhere Tennessee down there. Shows. No, no, stop before you get to Elk Snout. Yeah. Stop in Nashville. <laughs> oh, Nashville. Okay, we'll <laughs> see. I, I was born and raised in Kentucky. We have a little bit head. more culture there than we do down in t- Tennessee. Oh, where are you? Where are oh, you? Oh my from? lord! I was born and raised in Kentucky, so oh, I'm a yeah. 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 So at least we don't volunteer our women out like Tennessee. Never mind. We won't go there. Okay. Right. All right. All right. I've always been considered the smarter of the two street brothers. So, <laughs> yeah, hey, Dr. Street, yeah. get out of here. You. I, I can see that. I can see that. <laughs> He's the better looking, too. Look at him. I mean, come on. <laughs> well, Dan, before hey, you brother. make that trip to Nashville, I want you to kiss your kids, smack your mom, and that, your big fat ass wife, give her a big old hug. Because you ain't going <laughs> to come back the same man. I promise you that. You will not come back the same man. Oh my god! There's a belt to hold. I'm gonna take it. You just got me yeah. hype. Yeah. All right, all right, Jimmy, j- j- get this, get this jabron out of you. Jabron, do your thing, Jimmy. Now he's gonna call us a singer, the jabron. Man, Jesus Christ! <laughs> oh, oh man, forget the race. Shovel out, man. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Hammer's turning it up now. Thanks for coming on, brother. I appreciate you, man, for coming on our show. It was it was, it was good. I, I hope to come back and and uh, defend my title. <laughs> you will. He has a, a copy of of uh, Chris Michael's book. Send it to me. Hit me up on Facebook. Send me that book. I got to read it. Perhaps, okay, I will. I'll have somebody read it to me. I only made. I'll it Xerox it. it. Yeah, I'll Xerox it to you. That's good. So. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> see, he can't read. Come on, I want to see Chris Michaels do an audible for his book. That would be great. I do too. I that needs to happen, by the way. And I can't imagine what it would be, but I can't wait to hear it. So, it well, was, hey, it would be know. his wife whispering the words in his ear because they can't read, man. He can't read. Yeah, I mean, love him. <laughs> <laughs> love you, you Chris. Know, okay. <laughs> yeah, love you, Chris, and I love you, Hammer Jack. You better come back. I love we'll, all uh, you, Dan. <laughs> <Except> <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's all right. You, uh, we know how much you want uh, Rikishi's ass in your face. You don't have to worry. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right, everyone. Thanks. Oh, Jared, now you just you pipe down over there, Doc. All right, so. <laughs>
Everyone, thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for listening to the Professor Jimmy Street, the Plastic Chic Jared Street, myself, Dangerous Dan Colley, and you can't turn your back. That, that, and, that and, and Hammer, hammer Jack. Jack. That's right. Folks. <laughs> Send me my check. All right, it's on the way. <laughs> See you, buddy. <laughs> He's a nut, man. All right, guys, check us out at GMBMPW all over the social medias, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, all that. We are also part of a network called the Give Me Back My Podcast Network. It's got action, horror, monsters, good beer, wrestling, and the like. And I know you can hear me. I just say this. I know you hear me. Tales from the Haunt, and you got us the best six-man tag team podcast you'll ever find in this whole world. Thanks again for listening. Fight forever. With a tear in my eye, this is the greatest moment in my life. This has been a James Rock Street production.